Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. It's the radio guy, Mike Prince. Welcome to a very, very special edition of the Mike Prince Show. We'll explain that in just a minute. For those of you who like to keep up with us on our social media handle for Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, you can reach us at the Mike Prince Show. The YouTube channel is Open Mic Broadcast Network, our website, obnradio.com. And, of course, our 24-hour dial-in message line, 713-570-6736. And without any further delay, we're going to jump right into today's episode. Many of you that follow me know that I am a diehard Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I ran across this young man. He's already been calling me sir and all that kind of stuff. But I ran across this guy. They do a series called Locked On Steelers. He was a co-host or a guest for a little while. And now he's a permanent co-host. They tricked him in and he's in. He's locked in on the Steelers. Coming by way of phone out of the Pittsburgh area, we want to introduce to some and present to others, Mr. Christopher Carter. How you doing, sir? Doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me on the show, man. Well, thank you for making yourself available, man. Look, it, this this particular episode is going to be all about my beloved Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I'll share with you, I've been a Pittsburgh Steelers fan since 1972. I'm, okay. a, I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri, and people ask me, how in God's green earth did you become a Pittsburgh Steelers fan when you're from St. Louis? The first football game I ever went to was at Bush Stadium. My pop took me along, and it was against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I broke away from my father's hand, grabbed the rail because I couldn't even look over the rail, and I was mesmerized by the colors, black and gold. And I just sat there and said, the Pittsburgh Steelers. My pop drags me away. I go and get adventured off into Little League football or Pee Wee football. And I went and played for Matthew Dickey's Boys Club in St. Louis, Missouri. And guess what color the uniforms were? Black (laughs) and gold. And I've been a Steeler fan since then, man. And that's why you're here today. Glad to be here, man. Well, look, you guys do an awesome job on Locked on Steelers podcast that's uh, featured on TuneIn and all over the place. Um, first of all, how did you get to where you are in this, this Steeler Nations clan? And uh, just tell us your story and get some background on that. Oh, for sure. Well, I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, always was a Steelers fan growing up as a kid. Uh, my father was a football coach at Peabody High School. Um, for those who, uh, who don't know, Peabody is, uh, it's on the east end of Pittsburgh. Um, probably their last big, definitely their last big player made the NFL was Kevin Barlow, a running back for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, and he played in the 90s under my father. But uh, I always had a real big passion for football. When I was a kid, I was the water boy for the team. I was always hanging out with my dad, watching films, studying, you know, just like he was always cutting up highlights for his players so he could help him get to college. And I would always ask, you know, what's, the, what's this run play? What, what, what's this defense? And he would, you know, he would, he would always be like, shut up and go back to bed. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but like, you know, he would, but I learned a lot from that. And then I played high school football at a, at a different high school in Pittsburgh at Alderdice. 
Um, that's where Curtis Martin went to school. Um, and uh, I, I loved it. I was a lineman. I did that for four years while I was doing the band and all sorts of other stuff. Uh, I didn't play college ball. I went to Cheney University, the first historically black college. Um, and uh, I, but I, was, I, I went down an academic scholarship, and so I, I kind of just focused on school. I just go to the trumpet and all that. Um, but where I kind of got into the writing piece was I, w- I never really studied journalism. I, I did political science in undergrad. I did a lot of organizing. And then I got into law school when I went back to Pittsburgh. And um, when I was, in, I was at the University of Pittsburgh School of Law, and I was working on a lot of unpaid internships. And, you know, that's kind of the business when you're working in that field um, and, you know, paying your dues. And I was, I remember I was at the Federal Public Defender's Office downtown, and I saw a Craigslist uh, listing. Actually, my mother saw it, and she sent it to me, and she was, it, was this, uh, it was this blog, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And uh, the, it said they were looking for a Steelers writer. And so I said, okay. So I, I applied. I sent them a sample of writing. Um, and immediately I got a call and they said like, you know, this is great. This is awesome. You know, we'd love to have you. And so at first I, I start with them. I'm not making any money. Then I mentioned I'm making a little bit of money. Um, and then, uh, after a year or two of doing that, uh, it, was, it was just a year of doing that. Um, I got bumped up to be, you know, a contributing editor, which got me a little bit of money there. And I was still working in the legal field by the time I, I, I pretty much graduated from law school. Um, and uh, but I still wanted to keep writing because I was still passionate about football and it was fun. You know, it was fun writing about it. Um, we developed a podcast series that I was that I was sort of producing and uh, sort of uh, and, and you know talking on. And then uh, eventually, uh, I got to be basically the number two writer of the site behind Jeff Hartman, who's still the uh, the managing editor there. Um, I started a film series where I was breaking down film on the Steelers, explaining why things were good, why things were bad. Um, and it, it was, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of great times. I, I do suggest if you haven't checked out behind the steel curtain.com, it's a great website. Um, and they're, they're a great community to learn from. Um, but then about back in the summer of 2016, I was working, uh, for, I was, I was working at, at a private law practice or a, a downtown or, and, um, when, uh, when I was there, I got a, I got a, a phone call from, uh, Dayan Kovacevic, who was a, uh, really high, a high reputable uh, writer in the Pittsburgh area. He had written for the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. He had written for the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. And I knew he started his own website, dkpittsburghsports.com. And essentially, he wanted me to be a, an NFL analyst for uh, his his website. And he, you know, he, he brought me to his office. We sat down. We interviewed, and he made me an offer. And it was an offer I really couldn't refuse. And uh, I left behind the steel curtain for that. And I started writing a Carter's Classroom column where I was breaking down film, you know, every week and talking about what the Steelers could do here and how they could do this. Um, and uh, from there, uh, kind of, I did that for the 2016 season. And then uh, I was still, I was still bouncing around between jobs because I, w- I was working at, I stopped working at the firm downtown. I was working for a few different offices. And then um, in 2017, uh, Dayan was like, well, I'd actually like, you start going to games. So then I started going to games, interviewing the players, going on the road. Um, and that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I got better at it. Um, we partnered with the local NBC station, WPXI here in Pittsburgh. So I got to be on TV. I uh, started to get some radio invites and, uh, you know, that was, wow, yeah, it was three years ago now. Um, it'll be three years in August. And, uh, you know, I'm getting ready to cover my fourth season for the Steelers. Um, 
And uh, it's you know I'm still with DK Pittsburgh Sports. It's a blast. I do check if you're a, if you're a Pittsburgh sports person. We cover the Steelers, the Pirates, and the Penguins. Um, and uh, you know it's it's been a great experience. I've met a lot of great people through this job, and I've learned a lot from a lot of great people that have been working in this industry for a very long time. And uh, you know it's 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 an it's an amazing thing. You know I, I never studied journalism, but you know I you know my family always taught me if you work hard, you'll get. Um, you, you know, you'll be able to get whatever you want or not whatever you want, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we right. got to watch that uh, family programming, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, but that's, so, I mean, that's kind of where I, where I'm at now. So I, you know, this year I just went to home games because I got a, um, I got, a, I kind of had a job where I couldn't travel as much and I could, you know, I couldn't afford to just take off as many days. Uh, but it's, it's still a blast. It's still a lot of fun. And, uh, then, uh, this past summer when I was at training camp, I was sort of, you know, I had been to training camp a couple of times. So I was kind of used to the, you know, the kicking around where to go and how to handle different days at training camp. And I see this one guy just walking around and, uh, see no one's really talking to him. So I walk up and introduce myself. I'm like, Hey man. And it turned out to be Tony Serino, who's our, the, 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 the host of Locked On Steelers. And uh, we had a really good conversation. We linked up. We exchanged information. And throughout like, this past season, he was uh, he was calling me, and uh, I'd be on his show. We I, and it was a good time. We always had a, some good conversations. And then eventually, Tony was like, "Hey, man, we we are really good pair. Let's make this thing. Let's make this a thing." So now I'm uh, I'm also the locked on Steelers co-host with him now. So um, you know, so now here I'm getting ready for the season. I'm breaking down film. We do Monday through Friday film breakdowns at DK Pittsburgh Sports. Um, you know, I got my, you know, and, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty, it's been a, it's been a very enjoyable ride and I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be, to be in the middle of it. And I hope that there's a lot more to come. Well, young man, I'm going to tell you something that I've been trying to live by as a simple motto and I'll give it to you for free. And it's simply All this, right. you love what you do, simplify what you do and master what you do. When you do that, you'll never feel like you worked a day in your life. You're having fun and you're able to, pe- to, to keep bread on the, on the table for the family. So continue to do uh, the great work that you're doing. Uh, I've been listening to Tony now for uh, at least two or three years now. And I uh, like it when you guys come on there and get together. You do make a great pair and you bounce off each other. It's almost like, um, and I'm not trying to be funny or anything. It's almost like a straight man and a funny man act. Tony, who does have a lot of good information, but sometimes he gets a little out of line or off track, I should say. <laughs> I got you, I got you. you know what I mean? And you'd be like, oh, hold up, Tony. Hold up, Tony. Come on back in. But you guys do an awesome, awesome job. Now, I want to talk to you. I, I'm all about the team, which is one of the things that I love about Pittsburgh. It is a team concept, blue-collar uh, uh, families, most of the fan support. And, uh, of course, the big buzz, the big fuss has been the exodus of Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Personally, personally, and I've tweeted you this and I've been on record for saying it. Although I would miss Bell more than Brown, I think this is going to be a great season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm projecting best case scenario 12 and 4. Worst case, eleven and five. I think that's a fair projection. Um, <clears throat> I think a lot of people are down on the Steelers because you see you see that star power exodus, 
uh, like you're talking about. I mean, that, that's just the common take. Uh, and it's, it's really interesting, Mike. It, it is, it's something that I had to experience coming back from Cheney University. Cheney's out near Philadelphia, so you know I was out of the Pittsburgh market for a while. But I, did, I really lost sense of the, how big of a difference there was from local media coverage and national media coverage of the Pittsburgh Steelers and local media coverage. It doesn't swan all over. It doesn't doesn't fall over the Steelers. You know, there's no, it's not like romanticizing, but there, there are certain people that get shed and get, get, get a, get a different light in Pittsburgh than they do nationally. Like for example, um, you know, Ben Roethlisberger is, is loved here. is, is loved here in Pittsburgh and uh, nationally, you know, he, when he makes a mistake, it's kind of, you know, put on front street. People are like, you know what? He didn't do that right. But in Pittsburgh, I mean, I've, I've done broadcasts where I've noted, you know, he's had a five interception game. That's a, that's a, objectively, that's a bad game of football, but Steeler fans do not want to hear that sometimes. Um, and so it's, it's a little deeper than the local media, but then, you know, on the flip side, um, you know, a lot of local people here in Pittsburgh, they, they want Mike Tomlin out of town. And, you know, nationally, it's recognized that you, you look at Mike Tomlin's record. And you look at the fact that he has a Super Bowl and two AFC championships and several division titles, and he's been the most successful AFC North coach in his tenure. And the only other coach that has more Super Bowls that's active as a, as a head coach right now is Bill Belichick. Um, you know, that's a different perspective, but that's the national media versus the local media. And that's not all the local media. I don't want to put that on everybody. But, um, but you know, that's a strong, there's a stronger sense to get Tomlin out of, out of the job locally than there is nationally. And that's something that I've, I've learned. So when it comes to how the Steelers are being perceived, people in Pittsburgh are very optimistic because, you know, I, I think there is a, there is a sense that people are like, you know what? Yeah. Losing Antonio Brown, that, that, that stinks because, you know, it's, you know, he was, he was so good losing Le'Veon Bell, even though they didn't have him last year. Um, you know, the, you know, that, that, that stinks. But at the same time, they're very confident that, the these two guys were were cancers to the team. I don't, I don't think that's a fair assessment, but that's how a lot of people in Pittsburgh feel. My assessment is this: I say that Le'Veon Bell. Anyone when people call him a cancer, I think that that is a gross overstatement of what happened in Pittsburgh. Le'Veon Bell wanted to get paid uh, bigger money than they were offering, and that uh, they wouldn't offer him more than that. And the Steelers have a system of paying of, of paying players. They don't pay you a lot of guaranteed money in the back end of your contract. They give you all your guaranteed money up front, and then as the, as you progress, they 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 tell, they tell you to trust the organization, and then they'll make sure you get paid, which has happened for a lot of star players. And um, you know, in, in the Heinz Ward, and, and right now you look at like Cam Hayward and Marquise Pouncey. You know, these are guys that are star players that have been that get taken care of by the organization. And, you know, even Ben Roethlisberger, but Le'Veon Bell wasn't trying to hear that, and his agent wasn't trying to hear that, and they wanted the guaranteed money in the back end of the contract. The Steelers weren't having it, and that's why they, they're, you know, the situation is, is what it is now with him going to the Jets. Uh, Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown did have uh, some upstart moments throughout his career. You know, he had, you know, people talk about him throwing the Gatorade cooler, you know, at the Ravens game. Um, you know, and uh, he, he didn't stay on campus, you know, during training camp, though I think that was a, uh, that was kind of all overstated because neither did Troy Polamalu. But, uh, but you know, at the end of the day, Antonio Brown left the team. Uh, you know, he, he, he disappeared, you know, before the Bengals game. Um, and his actions after the season were uh, unforgivable. And uh, the Steelers, you know, said basically said, you know, at all costs they had to get rid of him. 
Um, and I think that that, that is when you can say someone was a cancer, but I honestly don't think he was a cancer until towards the very end. And I, I do think that there's serious consideration to see what's going on with Antonio Brown, because, uh, you know, he was always a, a character, but he drastically changed in this last year. And, you know, some people, uh, Peter King insinuated on, on, uh, on a show once he was like, I, I'm worried for that guy's mental health. I, you know, I wonder if he's suffering from something that we don't see yet. Um, but, those two guys being gone, there's a lot of young players on the team. Everyone's excited about Juju Smith-Schuster. I think Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be a very good receiver. Um, I think that uh, the offensive line is still very good. I think that the defense is much better than people want to give it credit for right now. Their biggest piece was, was that they didn't have a player that could cover the middle of the field and be an inside linebacker. They addressed that with both Mark Barron and Devin Bush. And uh, I think T.J. Watts on the rise. I think that Stephon Sewitt, uh, Hargrave, and, uh, and Cameron Hayward. The three of them are a tough defensive line. They shored up the cornerback position with Steven Nelson. Uh, I think that they're on the upside. I, I have them going around 11-5, and 12-4, just like you, just because I, I don't believe in the Browns. I think the Bengals are still going to be a joke. I don't think the Ravens are going to have a great season with Lamar Jackson. Um, and I think the Steelers are in a very good position to surprise people. And it's funny, they... They 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 went. They had, still haven't had a losing season yet. People are still counting them out. So, but uh, that that's how this that's how that's how the Steelers coverage goes sometimes. Well, you know, you you were just saying that, and I was thinking when you were hitting on that, Tomlin has not had a losing season since his tenure, and that's almost yep. unheard of. Now, you 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 have your finger on the pulse. I'm in Texas. You're mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh. Was it divided? in the local media coverage between Ben and Brown, or was it something just from a national perspective? Oh, I, I wouldn't even say it was divided. It was, uh, it was straight up just all Ben and local coverage. No, no one was coming to defend Brown in Pittsburgh. No one. Um, you know, the, the only people that, that said anything were the national guys like Shannon Sharp, uh, you know, maybe Deion Sanders, uh, but the guys on, on the national stage like ESPN and NFL Network and Fox Sports 1, those are the platforms you saw people defending Antonio Brown. But people in town, they were not. They did not want to hear it. And I mean, also when you interview these guys, I also say this: you got to trust the guys on the ground. Sometimes, you know, there's sometimes I think there's, there are people that overstate problems, and you know, I won't name names for, for that sake. But there's guys that you can trust, like our, our, our beat writer Dale Lolly. He's been on the scene since 1992. The guy is, uh, you know, I learn from him every day. He's a great guy. There's people like Jim Wexel. You know who are great. Dayon Kovacic, my boss. You know, there's, there's guys that are on the ground that, that are reputable. They know what they're talking about. They don't. They don't tell stories. You know, they do tell stories, not fibs. You know, they don't lie about stuff and stretch out the truth. But then you have situations like, for example, uh, this past season. You remember the Buccaneers game at the beginning of the season, right? Yes. So leading up to the game, Steve Young was uh, uh, was talking, and you know the Steelers are are uh, they were oh one and one. They had tied the Browns and lost. And everyone, and, that, and that game was like the turning point. If the Steelers lost to the Buccaneers, everyone was going to be coming with their pitchforks and torches <laughs> uh, you know, in, in Pittsburgh. Right. And so Steve Young says on the national broadcast, he's like, oh, uh, I went in the Steelers locker room, and I could really tell there was a lot of tension. The guys really seemed like they didn't like each other. They weren't coming together. And I think that's a major problem, you know, something along those lines. And uh, Jim Wexel, uh, who, who writes for Steel City Insider, I believe, in uh, 24-7 Sports. Um, forgive me if it's not Steel City Insider, but 
Uh, but Jim Wexel, you know, and a, a very good guy, a guy that I, I learned from a lot. He he tweeted out. He's like, I've literally been in the Steelers locker room for every second of availability this season, and I've never seen Steve Young step in here. He is not telling the truth, wow. and that's what happens. But that's what happens with a lot of national media guys. Is that they and it, and I get it. It's it is not easy to have to cover an entire league as if you are just as involved as a local reporter. With local guys, you go to the training camps, you go to the practices, you talk to the players, you develop those relationships. It is not easy to do that across the board. And that's why there's so very few guys that are highly liked and highly, and still in the business and very good at their jobs because that's a very difficult balance to have. Um, so uh, there, is a, there, there is a divide between national and local on the Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger thing. Um, my thing is this. I, I think that what needs to happen if you ever want to actually see how, you know, come to terms with what happened in Pittsburgh, you need to look at it objectively. And objectively, I think you could make a case that Ben Roethlisberger was making a lot of mistakes that he shouldn't have been making. He's the, you know, for as much, he's a great quarterback. He's going to the Hall of Fame. You know, I think and he's a franchise quarterback, all that. But there were several times that Tony Brown was breaking wide open and you know, and he was and he was making adjustments, and he saw weaknesses in defenses that Ben Roethlisberger was not seeing, and that was getting frustrating for Brown. And whenever Brown made a mistake, which is very very rare, uh, whenever he made a mistake on the field, you know, people pointed at it. You know, and the same thing went for Juju or James Conner or anybody else. But when Ben Roethlisberger made a mistake, there were excuses made. There was a lot of pressure heaped upon him, and, and that's kind of where Antonio Brown. Was uh, was coming from, but he seemed to always tolerate that. He always backed Ben Roethlisberger. He said, you know, hey, you know, that's my guy. You know, you know, if he tells me something's wrong, something's wrong. You know, I trust him. But then this year, you saw that start to flip after the Broncos game. You know, the, if, if for those who don't follow the Steelers, when the Steelers are playing the Broncos, they had a chance to win the game at the end of the at the end of the game, and uh, they were at the goal line, and Ben Roethlisberger threw an interception while targeting Antonio Brown, but he threw it to a defensive lineman. And um, after the game on local radio in Pittsburgh, Ben Roethlisberger came out and said, well, that was Antonio's fault. After that, you just saw Antonio Brown just progressively check out of, of the Steelers organization. You know, and, and you know, to the point where when they lost to the Chargers, normally when, when they lost, even if Antonio Brown had a good game, he would kind of be, you know, he, he might be happy on the inside that he had a good game, but he would at least, you know, give the face of, you know what, it thinks that we lost. You know, we want to win, and da, da 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 You know, the traditional athletes speak of when you lose, but you have good stats. After that game, he had a very good stat game, and he was smiling. He had his kids at the podium like they had won. And I noticed that, and I was, I was getting ready for a, a local TV broadcast, and I was watching that press conference, and I was like, oh, that's, uh, that's, a, that's winning Antonio. That, and at that point, I was like, there's something going on here. Um, so... There's a uh, yeah. There's, there's a lot of things going on in, Pit- in Pittsburgh media when it comes to uh, you know it, it's very much pro Ben Roethlisberger here, and, and I think to a degree it, it should be because Ben Roethlisberger he may have done things that 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 weren't smart. He may have done things that were inconsiderate of of Antonio Brown, but he never quit the team. You know, and if Antonio Brown had an issue, he needed to bring it to Ben Roethlisberger and settle it within the locker room and behind closed doors so that it didn't seep out into the media, but. He, he didn't even he didn't he didn't give Tomlin the uh, uh, the chance to answer. He didn't give him the respect to answer his phone call. He didn't give any of the players to answer their phone calls. Now some of the young players they still appear to have a, a relationship with Antonio Brown, but 
you know, that, that part of it, I do think if you look at it objectively, you can see wrong on both sides. You can see merit to both of their points on both sides. But there's no question in my mind that uh, Antonio Brown burned a lot of bridges and he, he checked out of the organization. And I think that's, that's the way that you need to look at it. Whereas Ben Roethlisberger, um, he, he stuck around here. And uh, this is going to be his team for the, at least for the for the next three years, and I think that uh, I think Pittsburgh's just happy that way. But it's really going to be interesting to see if Ben Roethlisberger has a bad statistical year and the Steelers struggle. Everyone's going to be looking and be saying mm, maybe that offense was all about Antonio and Le'Veon. But on the flip side, if the Steelers do well and maybe the Raiders struggle, then people are going to say, "Oh, Antonio, maybe Ben Roethlisberger did make your career." There's a lot of that kind of discussion going on, and trust me, it's nobody can wait more than Pittsburgh to, just to see the Hard Knocks episodes with the Raiders. We're speaking right now with Christopher Carter. Uh, Twitter handle is what? Uh, Carter Critiques, at Carter, yeah, Carter Critiques you. Review. Yeah. And, and I got to keep just on one more uh, topic about this from outside looking in. Uh, of course, it was Ben versus Brown. And and I want you, if you can, as be as candid as possible, from outside looking in, a lot of people from the national scene are trying to make this as if it's a racial issue about part of divide. Do you see that as any part where one is being pitted against each other for one for one reason or the other? I don't think that it's directly a, a, a race issue. I, I think that there is a constant issue of race in all fabrics of our society because we are the United States of America and racism has always played a part of our history. And in sports, that comes to term. Now, I I will say this. I do think that there are people that have more patience for for Ben Roethlisberger and less patience for Antonio Brown and more patience for Antonio. And on the flip side, there's a vice versa to that as well. And I do think that there is a racial difference when it comes to that. Um, You know, I, I... there's a lot of people in Pittsburgh, like I said, a lot of people that, that defend Ben Roethlisberger, but I, I, have, I myself have been called a racist because I said that Ben Roethlisberger had a really bad game when, uh, when he turned the ball over five times to the Cleveland Browns and they, they ended up tying him at the beginning of the season this year. Uh, and, I, and I'm thinking, what, how, how am I a racist for giving this, this objective judgment on a quarterback, mind you, my father's like my father's black, my mother's white, so like you know, I mean, I'm a black man. I can put myself. <laughs> I am an African American, but I I got white people in my family. So how am I gonna how am I gonna hate them? You know, like I, I am that. So, uh, you know, so but that there is that there that is, that is an undertone under every conversation. And I will say, you know, it, it, there is that that element of Mike Tomlin. And if you if you just do some searching on Twitter, it might take a little bit of work, but um, during the season when, you know, if Le'Veon Bell made a mistake or if Antonio Brown was doing something, you can see some real racial inflamed tweets about them and, you know, involving the N word and other dog whistle words about, about black players. That, that is a thing. And, and that, then maybe that's not just Pittsburghers. That's across the board, but you know, racism rears its ugly head in a lot of facets. But I, I don't think that it's, it's necessarily a black-white divide in Pittsburgh over Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown. I do think that black people in Pittsburgh are a lot. Uh, uh, they they don't give Ben Roethlisberger as many passes um, as other people do because they saw how Cordell Stewart was treated here when he made a lot of mistakes. Now, granted, Cordell Stewart's not anywhere near the quarterback that Ben Roethlisberger is, but when Cordell 
would put up a good game, he, you know, it would kind of get brushed over. He even struggled a little bit in the game. He, he would catch a lot of flack. Um, you know, he had beer thrown on, thrown on him, at, you know, after games here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, he was tra- treated very roughly. And whenever he won, it was because Bill Cowher was smart and Cordell Stewart did what he told him. Whenever they lost, it was because Cordell Stewart was dumb and, you know, it wasn't Bill Cowher's fault. Uh, and, you know, now the flip side here, it's whenever the Steelers are winning, Ben Roethlisberger's great. And uh, there is that element that, you know, Mike Tomlin's was holding uh, Ben Roethlisberger back. And that, I think that that is where the undertone lies when it comes to racing this discussion. But I, I don't think, I think that there are, that it is very easy to make that assumption when you look at Antonio Brown. You know, he's, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a young black man. He's, uh, he's, he's risen to the top of his, of his, uh, his field. And, you know, and he's, he's flashy. So that's, you know, he has like the Deion Sanders element and there's that stereotype of, of the flashy black athlete. Um, and then you have Ben Roethlisberger, you know, he's the, he's the older white guy that's been around for a while. Sure. That's a, that's a thing. Um, but it doesn't really add up when you look at what's been going on. Antonio Brown, when, you know, when he, there's been times that he's done something and he, and, and it's been overplayed, but when you look at the acts of this season and especially the off season, uh, you see a real reason to critique him. And, you know, if, if there were people out there that, that were saying negative things about Antonio Brown because he was black, he only verified their thoughts with the way that he acted at the end of the season and after the season. Um, but, uh, but again, I don't think this was this, I don't think their spat was about race. I think that race, it was, was always going to be a part of a conversation like that because of the elements in our society and in, in sports. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's the one thing, at least from my perspective, that um, makes athletics so powerful that yeah. even if it's a three or four hour set in the case of a football game, three hours in the case of a baseball game, it really doesn't matter about your pigmentation. It doesn't matter about the language that you speak. What matters is that for that collective time, we are all pulling for the same common goal. And if we could focus on that to to bleed over into our everyday lives, which I know I'm doing some wishful thinking right now, it would make life <laughs> a whole lot better. So what we really need to do, Chris, is this. We need to just have games played all day, every day, from every political uh, <laughs> corner <laughs> all the way down to marriage and, and even uh, in-law rivals and just let, treat everything like a game. And in the infamous words of Rodney King, can we all just get along? <laughs> it's, it's funny you say it like that, man. Because uh, I, I do. It is. It is very interesting how sports will bring people together. Uh, and at the same time, it'll tear people apart. But uh, you know, you know, in, in Pittsburgh, you know, I, there are plenty of people that um, that that I know that don't that don't like each other. But if they're standing next to each other and they got on the same Steelers jersey, uh, you know, they're 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 brothers in that moment. <laughs> Absolutely, and you're gonna always yeah. be brothers whenever you're playing against the Patriots. So, <laughs> oh man, oh man, trust me, this entire city, they there is nothing. When, even though they didn't, they didn't, uh, they didn't make the playoffs this year. Everyone's like, well, thank God that they beat the Patriots this year. Right. I, I don't think, I don't think that there was a louder moment this season than when Joe Hayden intercepted Tom Brady towards the end of that game, you know, this, this past season. Absolutely. And uh, everybody was losing their minds after they beat the Patriots. It was, it was, it was nuts. And, and whenever the Patriots come to town, it is, 
Ooh, it, it is it is it is fun. It is a fun atmosphere to be in. Um, you know, when I, I still remember when Jesse James caught the ball, and then they they called it a touchdown, and just the reaction of that crowd, and then how they uh, you know how they uh, how they reacted when it was overturned. You know, it's it is such a it is such an amazing thing. But to see how this city comes together in those moments, um, and 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 how and how they they use that to respond in uh, to, to 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 rough situations. You know, there was a as some people may not know. There was a there was a synagogue shooting uh, here in Pittsburgh back in October, and it was it was uh, it was terrifying. Uh, a, a, a man went into a, a Jewish synagogue on a day of worship, and uh, and and murdered several people. Twenty seven, uh, twenty seven of them. Yeah, it, it was it was horrifying. It, it was it was it was a synagogue that I have literally driven past hundreds of times, Mike. I mean, it it, it, it was because it's in my, it was in the neighborhood of my high school, Alderdice and Squirrel Hill. Um, and I mean, I knew family of people that were, that were in there. Um, and it just, it shook the entire city. Um, and it shook the country, but especially Pittsburgh and especially, you know, in Squirrel Hill, a place that's kind of always been a a very happy place for, for the city. Um, but you know, that weekend when the Steelers played, you know, a home game, I think it was against the Browns maybe, but, um, there was a strong sense that, you know, the Steelers were going to, you know, in sports in general, were going to be a place for people to come together and help everyone sort of try to get back on track and, uh, and, and kind of pick up what you, what you can and, and move forward and, you know, remind each other that we need to stand together against, uh, against messages of hate. Um, and, and Pittsburgh still got a lot of problems. I'm not saying that, 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 that the, uh, that everything hunky dory now because, because, Oh, it's sports. Um, but, uh, I will say it is remarkable how this city unites behind, especially the Steelers. You know, the Penguins are, are one thing, and they've been very successful lately. People get really excited about the Penguins when they're good, but nothing really rallies the city of Pittsburgh like when the Steelers are making a push and everyone's just on you know, on on pins and needles waiting to see what happens that season. Well, my friend, it's not just Pittsburgh that has the challenges. It's this nation from coast to coast. Yes, it is. <laughs> and sea to shiny sea, but. Um, that is going to be something that we're going to have to adjust and move forward in. Christopher Carter of DK Pittsburgh Sports. Christopher uh, Carter critiques or Carter class. What is it, man? You help me out. I'm old. I can't do all that. <laughs> it, it, my, my Twitter handle, y'all, is Carter critiques. C A R T E R C R I T I Q U E S. Carter critiques is that I critique everything. You can find me on Twitter if you if you Google uh, Carter's Classroom. That's my that's my daily column Monday through Friday at DK Pittsburgh Sports, where I'm breaking down the the, the film uh, on it. If you, if you want a podcast to listen to Steelers content, check out Locked On Steelers, where Tony Serena and I are taking taking our everything on about the Steelers and NFL news uh, to give you all the things that you need there. But, uh, but yeah, uh, Mike, this, this, is, this is really cool, man. Thanks for having me on your show. Hey, my man, thank you. You do me one favor. Tell Tony to stay off them energy drinks. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I will do that. I, will do that. I got a show with him later tonight. I'm going to do just that. <laughs> well, look, my man, we want to thank you so, so much. For those of you who were suffering through this in particular, if you happen to be a Cowboys fan, I'm so sorry that you have to suffer <laughs> through this. But not really. That was really at my wife. She's a Cowboy fan, and I, 
I don't know how I've been married to her for 30 years, man. You're talking about sleeping with Ooh. the enemy, but it's going to be all right, man. He is Christopher Carter on Locked On, Steelers, and all of his other affiliates. Be sure to check him out. I am the radio guy, Dr. Mike Prince. This has been a blast because it's about my Pittsburgh Steelers. Don't forget, you can follow me on my social media handles for Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Mike Prince Show. You can also follow me on YouTube at The Open Mic Broadcast Network. That's O-P-E-N, capital M-I-C, Broadcast Network. The 24-hour dial-in message line, 713-570-6736. And until the next time, you guys be blessed, and we'll see you on the other side. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 